Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to Grief and Rebirth Podcast, whose mission is to educate, enlighten, and provide healing choices through interviews with grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and people who have inspiring stories to share. I'm Irene Weinberg, the creator and host of Grief and Rebirth Podcast, with a loving reminder that you can see the full show notes and all Grief and Rebirth Podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. My interview today is with Karen Jones Meadows, who is a producer, a playwright and screenwriter, an actress, a visual artist, and a practical psychic. Karen utilizes her many healing gifts and talents, which include clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, and clairempathic abilities to provide guidance for individuals, families, businesses, spiritual centers, civic and community organizations, and social gatherings. Karen, welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. It is my pleasure to share with our listeners that I recently had my own very insightful and helpful session with you. Let's begin our interview with this question. Karen, you wrote, acted, and toured internationally with your award-winning play, called Harriet's Return, based on the legendary life of Harriet Tubman. What inspired you to also become a practical psychic? And how do you, as a practical psychic, guide individuals, organizations, and businesses? First of all, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. I'm thrilled. Thank you. I, uh, I, I actually had psychic abilities. I didn't know that's what they were <laughs> when I was young. <laughs> Um, and uh, it it evolved, I guess, after I'd been working as a theater professional, and I had a reading. I had a reading with an astrologer, and she looked at my chart and said, "I'm going to speak to you in astrology because you can do this. You've you've done this in past lives. I do believe in past lives. I I, I know." And so I started doing that. And they don't interfere because my writing and my psychic work, they're really tied in together. It's intuitive. I didn't make up and go, I think I'll write a play about Harry Tubman. That's not how it happened. In fact, I, um, I, I can give a little background about that. And also, it is my really knowing that Harry Tubman also had strong psychic abilities that she followed because that's how she did all those things that she could do. She, I have to ask you, how did you know she had psychic abilities? I, 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 number one, I feel, I have to tell you, so I'll tell you a couple of things. One, I feel it, but she would, um, 
she would pass out. People attribute that to being hit in the head when she was young, but she would go in and she had complete trust in her terminology is God. She had a complete trust in God and she would listen and know what to do and she would take the action that she was guided to do. And that's psychic ability. We, we all have it. Some people cultivate it more than others and some people um, have it by degree. You know, you know how, you know, there's Einstein and then there's me in science. It's not the same, but I could do it. I got Berkeley on it. Um, so she had that. Um, and as a writer, there's a woman, her name is Dr. Bertha Maxwell. And I started writing plays prior to Harriet's return. And she said, I always write about various kinds of freedoms. She did a, a, a paper about me and said that I write about various kinds of freedoms. And then Harriet is like the ultimate freedom because, okay, in case you don't know, she's the most celebrated conductor on the Underground Railroad during the period. Could you say that again, please? Because some of our people, believe it or not, may not know who Harriet Tubman was. So exactly what is she uber okay. famous for? And she's uber famous for being the most um, celebrated underground railroad conductor. It's called a c conductor. So enslaved people would escape and go through what's called the Underground Railroad, which was a network of people who would hide them and help them get to where they needed to go. And Harriet freed herself and then went back 19 times and freed other people wow. and took them north. And, and, and eventually they had to go to Canada because of the Fugitive Slave Act here where we couldn't stay in the United States. We'd have to get out of the United States. There was no safe place. So wow. that's what she's most known for. My play chronicles her, actually I start in the current because a lot of people don't care about history. And so I start right now in a restaurant and she gets triggered back and we go through her whole life from six to 93. And again, she I'm gonna- 93, wow, with what she went through. Yeah. Yeah, what she went through, and then she, she didn't even stop that, you know, after, after she stopped that, stopped the Underground Railroad um, participation. She fought, she was a, um, a spy, and she led battles during the Civil War. And then she went on to, to uh, own property, which couldn't happen for women nor African-descended people. I mean, she did all kinds of amazing things. She's incredible. And... Um, a lot, a lot of what happens during the play, and this is where the metaphysical, the, the spiritual components come in, and it's very obvious in this particular piece, um, is people release old energy. This country is just bombarded, not just with, with the, the enslavement of Africans, but if you look at the Native American population, look at the immigrants who come here from wherever, no one came here and just kind of skipped through the tulips. It didn't happen. And so this energy gets released. And just like I do psychic work intentionally when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people, I'm sort of a conduit and a, a vessel for this to happen. And it, um, I, don't, I don't have to be really conscious of it because it's my spirit that takes over. It's interesting because this is a very... Um, it's, it's, it's a very uh, active, I'm running and carrying on literally for two hours. I mean, I am running. If somebody said, Karen, I need, I need you to run around for two hours. Go, go run around your court lot for two hours. Go do this, go do that. Couldn't happen. My physiological being changes and I turn into a six-year-old and I turn into a 93-year-old and I'm able to do that. Wow. It's very fascinating. And that's because 
the spirit takes over. When we follow our guidance, we turn into the being that is in, that's living in us. And when we pay attention to it, it does the living. It's just so hard to, to live in that. It's hard to trust it because we see ourselves and um, it's, I won't call it a, lim a limitation. It's a process of allowing that gives us the ability to release more and more and more, but it's not like in one day, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it's a process, as I said. And so um, I love doing the reading. So yes, I was doing this, the, the plays and that play and others, but this, I'm gonna call it a gift of immediate help because the, the plays help people, but you have to have it set up. You need actors, you need directors, blah, blah, blah. This is one-on-one. -on -one. Somebody comes, somebody calls and says, Karen, could you help me with this, blah, blah. It's immediate. And I love that. I love um, that it's another thing that I can do. It's, it, it, it's another possibility to be of service. And, and, uh, so and you're, sort of a, you're sort of a service and mass in a way with what you do to help people release, I guess, grief and trauma and, and all of that during the play. And then you also help them on an individual basis when they seek you out. Exactly. That's perfect. That's, that, that's a perfect description. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've start, started doing the visual art in the same thing. The thing things came in and I, I say come in because they just did <laughs> and, and, and they do. And we all can do that. We, we, we stop it though. Um, uh, one of my, I guess the strongest teacher I've ever, I've ever had, his name was John Randolph Price. And he has a book called The Angels Within Us. There's several books and he has two angel books, but it's the angels within us. And there's one called the Jesus Code too that I like a lot. But he talks about how to connect with this and that it's not a secret. It's, it's a secret to us because we don't know, but if we tell people, we'll know. The process and the doing of it is where people run into difficulty. It's work. It's like any other kind of, you know, you learn to cook, you don't just walk in and hope it works out. You got to work it a little bit. And it's the same thing with this and what I and other intuitives and psychics and healers of coaches do is help people along the path so they have an, easy, an easier access. Something about my writing, my, I'm sorry, my readings that are different is that my guides and I connect with your guides, it's always both sets of guides. It's not just one-sided. Um, always have exercises. They always have something for people to do. No one walks away and says, well, good luck with that. I hope that works out nicely. No, they always have things for them to do. And it's up to the person. I used to teach school. I used to say, I can teach you, but you have to learn, you know? And so it's kind of like that. <laughs> uh, what was the first indication? Didn't you receive the first indication that you were psychic when you were very young in the Bronx? Uh, yeah, I'm from the Bronx. Tell us about that. Okay, I'm from the Bronx, and um, my uncle, his, his name, well, we called him Un Uncle Rat. His name, his name was Rat, but he hated it. Well, that, well, that we called him Uncle Rat is what he hated. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he and my father and, my, and, and another uncle and cousins, we were going to North Carolina. That's where my father was from. I'd never been really excited. We're going across the, Chesa the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. I was 14. And... I said, Uncle Rat, the, the tire's going to go flat. And, you know, he's like, I've been driving 35 years. I know a flat tire. <laughs> like, okay. And then it went boom, 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 right? And they look at it. Everybody turns and looks at me. You know, 
I did not make it flat. I just knew it was coming. <laughs> you just knew it was coming. Yeah, so I knew it was there, but I also knew you keep your mouth shut. They don't like to know so much. <laughs> How old were you at that time? I was 14 then. Um, prior, now, prior to that, in Girl Scout camp, I went to Girl Scout camp, and um, I didn't want to go swimming. So, you know, I'm African-American. At that time, we all pressed our hair, and it was straight. And if you go swimming, it's not going to be. And afros were not in style, so I didn't want that experience. So I said, I don't want to go swimming. I don't want to go swimming. Maybe excuse me. And there was a, a counselor, and she stayed with me. And she said, I'm a witch, and I think you are too. And I said, really? She said, yeah, I'm a good witch. And she talked about Civil League and the good witches in London and this, that, and the other. And she said, I'll initiate you. I'm like, cool. And so we went to the little tent, and I laid on my cot. And she did. I don't even know what she said or what she did. I don't remember her name, but I can see her. I still can see her. And so I did that. And so after that, when I prayed, I prayed to God and I prayed to Civil League because I go, I don't know who covers what. And I want to make sure you get this. I have to say that I didn't get it either way. <laughs> but that's hey, all right. reminds me. It kind of reminds me of the, isn't it in The Wizard of Oz? They have the good witch and the bad witch. Yeah, the good witch and the bad witch. Yeah, and I, I was perfectly, I, I never was, now from seven years old, I'll say this. I knew that there is something missing if there's all this natural order. You know, the moon's going to come up, the sun's going to happen, there, there, be, there are seasons, and people just haphazardly do stuff, and then they die, and good luck, and you hope you don't burn. It didn't make any sense. So it didn't take much for me to easily, once I heard that there's something called karma and spirit and, and that you have got it, it was instant for me to go, okay, that makes sense. And that's why some people are afraid of some things and not others. And you have a tendency to want to do something. You know, we're all different for a reason because our souls are at different places and, and, and we have different interests. Yeah. So. Yeah. That I've learned that too, boy. <laughs> um, Karen, you are deeply aware that a person's spiritual essence disappears when that person dies. And I want to share with our listening audience that I personally experienced this phenomenon when my husband died next to me in a tragic car accident. Could you please describe a person's spiritual essence as you see it? And is that essence, but it's also known as a person's aura? For me, they're two different things. So the essence is what's anim what animates us. I can't make my heart beat. I can't, I don't know what the liver's doing, how it's pulsing. I don't know any of that. You know how some thoughts can come in and you don't want them, but they're there. Um, and the spiritual essence is the all-knowing, the wholeness. It's what we all are connected by the same thing. I love the way this was explained to me one time. If you take a canvas, if you have a blank canvas, it's completely white, and then you put the circles. The canvas is the common denominator. The circles are the individual areas within it, and that's what we are. We're all one part of this whole energy force field. Um, universe, whatever you want to call it. And then as individuals, we have these little worlds that are microcosms of the big picture, but we have this unique experiences as these individuals within this wholeness. So our spirit is connected to the wholeness and always knows what's going on. So that's why, you know, when, when you check in, you can find out ahead of time 
this is going to happen or the synchronicities that go on because they know how to set things up. And I've had so many times when I'm strong will. So it's like, I'm doing this. It's, it's what I want to do by God. It's like, knock yourself out. It's not going to happen <laughs> but because it's not in my best interest. And because I've chosen, and this is important too, people who are on what I would call the spiritual path where there, there's at least an inquiry, if not a full examination to the best of their ability. And we keep searching and searching and searching. Um, once you get on that, you can't get off. It's like being on a Ferris wheel that never ends and you get to make different stops and you get to grow, but it depends upon you. Um, so that to, to me is the spiritual um, uh, essence. And sometimes when I read for people who are trying to connect more deeply with their own essence, I tell them right before you wake up, see this, see yourself filled with this energy. Sometimes it, it can be like golden light, it can be purple, it, it can be white, it can be whatever, but it's, it's dazzling. And kind of breathe that up so that it fills you and then push it forward out past your physical being. So it's taking over from the inside out and practice that. And then that helps you to connect with this energy, this force field, this reality, all knowing best interest at heart. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfectly every, every day because we have lessons to give. And I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But it certainly fills you and gives you a sense of connectedness and wholeness and oneness and power that is different. Personal power, not power over others. Personal power and well-being. Um, if I, I started to say we have these lessons, and, and I, I know we do. Um, I do. I do astrology as well, too. I'm not, I am an astrologer, but that's not what I focus on. But when I do readings, I like to get people's um, astrological charts because there's some things that are recurring themes. And we have something called the North Node. That's what we've come in to do. And most of us are highly resistant to it, including me. But you don't, you don't even know you're resistant. You're trying to cooperate. It's still not. What, what, what is this? And then we have something called the Solar Eclipse and the Lunar Eclipse. One, the Solar Eclipse is what we naturally teach people, whether we're conscious of it or not. And it's, it's, mine is in Leo. And so I teach people how to accept love. And, uh, and it, does, it, do, it doesn't mean that, I, that I'd be that great at it. Sometimes you have to cultivate your own. But by default, I teach them that. And then and what I came in to learn is detachment. And I'm telling you, I can be attached in a big way. <laughs> so, um, and that's an Aquarius. So I've got the humanitarian thing going. And then there's aspects of blah, blah, blah. That's all to say those things are pretty consistently um, themes and recurrences in each person's life, whatever theirs is. And usually we have to work through it if we choose to. And if you don't, my, my great incentive is I don't want to come back and do it again. And I'm with you. I say, listen, I don't want these same turkeys back. No, exactly. you. I don't want to get it right this time. <laughs> um, so it's an Aquarian thing to detach. It's, yeah, you know, Aquarians generally are pretty detached. I'm an Aquarian, so you're an Aquarian also? They're, they're, they're humanitarian. They, they care about the wholeness. But personally, there's not, you know, like, I'm like water gone wild. I'm a Scorpio with five planets in Scorpio with a cancer rising. I'm like an emotional nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, <laughs> um, and Aquarians, that doesn't mean they can't love. I know some very loving kind. But um, it's not. It's not this effusive, can't let go. They can generally let go where I'm like wrapped around the heels going, we could fix this, we could fix this, come back. Oh. <laughs> but, 
Uh, and that's not just in, in relationships, it's anything, you know? So yeah, I've had to, um, and the detach, in that detachment is freedom. You know, if I said I'm a playwright, by God, I'm a playwright, I will not write screenplays, I will not act, I will not do psychic work, I'm going, that's attachment. It's like, could make some space for, for more, make some space for more. It is an energy that um, it actually helps you to participate more fully in, in the joys of life, in, in the freedoms of life, if you let go of what you already have. No. But now you just taught me something that I had no idea. Thank you, Karen, because I'm an Aquarian. And okay. I happen to be pretty good at detaching with love. <laughs> and, I, and now you now you put the pieces together for me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Karen, we're going to take a quick break to allow a minute for our sponsors who keep this podcast free for our listeners. We'll be right back. We're back. Thanks for tuning in to my insights-filled interview with Karen Jones Meadows. Let's continue on with this question. And I must say, everyone, this is really a fun interview. I'm learning so much myself. It's great. Uh, Karen, during readings, you're able to connect with elementals, angels, divas, conscious ancestors, and entities of the light who help interpret what a spirit wants your client to know and do, thereby helping your client connect with his or her own inner guidance. Please define each of these and explain, because I am sure many people are listening to this and say, what in the world is an elemental? <laughs> Just for starters. <laughs> so the elemental arena, you <laughs> that, are, are so some people think they're, they're mystical, so like the unicorns and the elves and gnomes, and also um, rocks, um, um, mineral, the, the mineral um, family. Um, in, in some, in, and, one, and one reason I, when I call in, when I start reading, I call in different and entities of the light, as I call it. And I, I added conscious ancestors, because every ancestor does not have a clue. Just because they're an ancestor doesn't mean they know anything. So I make sure that, that they're conscious That's ancestors. That's a good way to put it, because they take their personalities <laughs> across to the other side and their level of growth, right? So yeah, exactly. some of them go in, they still have a lot of healing to do over there. I mean, they're not ready exactly. to. It's not and then there are ascended masters, and then, then, then we have our own guides. We, we have our, um, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the word at this second. And the, our, our, guard, our, our guardian are angels, you if, you, if, you, if you believe that. Now, I use all the different terminologies in part because not everybody believes in everything, and I, I want to cover it. Um, it, it. I've had some interesting experiences. I'll go really quickly, but this ties into what you do. When, when my mother was transitioning, and she went from plateau to I'm out of here. I mean, really, it was so it was so fast. And I, when I recognized it, it was a Wednesday night, and I recognized, okay, she's not bouncing back from this. And I called someone um, who who reads for me sometimes, and pretty great. But his specialty is transitioning. And I said, I just want to know how to help her. Now that I've gotten over the, the, the grief of the, of the moment, what I want to do is help her. And so he said, you're going to get, um, you're going to see a blue light and an orange light. This is going to, and he, so he went through all these things. I won't go through all of it. And so um, 
all of us, when I went in later on, blah, 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 I think it was that day, it was like Friday, there was this, I'll call it an angel. He said, I'm an angel. He said, I'm Gabe is what he said. And he was up on, I, I have these Vegas. He was up there and he was blue and just nothing like what an angel looks like. And I said, Did he have wings? Know, Did he have wings and that whole thing? I have wings. No, no wings. No wings. More like scaly kind of, for lack of a better word, reptilian looking, but not scary reptilian looking. And how did you know he was an angel? I knew because, well, he told me for one thing, and then I was, I asked, I always ask, and that's something that's important. When you're talking to a psychic or any sort of, you, if you can't ask questions, you have the wrong person. <laughs> you need to be able to ask anything. And he said that, yeah, everybody's, humans basically are confused about what we do and how we look and all that kind of stuff. And he stayed there. And then this orange light came up, and it was another one on this, down on her bed, another angel. And, or, and, and we were using that terminology because it's something familiar that helps us to grasp. A lot of times, I'm not a medium. I don't consider myself to be a medium, per se, but I can go over, and I have done it and come back. Um, they, it's the people come so you can recognize it so you don't spend 45 minutes trying to figure out what it is or who it is you get a sense so that there's familiarity and you don't have to work so hard in the do i believe it don't i believe it now the other day i'm just going to tell you this real quickly but it's oh, she just um a, a friend passed this past weekend pretty suddenly and her sister wanted me to ask her sister was concerned about where she was and how, because it was so sudden. And I said, I'm not sure, I'll try. And so I didn't try when I was talking to her. I waited the next morning. I went, I tried, and she came in. And she told me some things to say to her. And I said, you have to give me, I'm not going to say anything to her because she's distraught. I am not going to say anything to her. If you can't tell me, give me, I need a word that lets her know that it's you. And if you can't give me that, I'm not talking to her about it because I needed to really trust it. And as I said, this isn't, I can do it, but it's not my strong point. So I'm real careful when I'm doing it. And so she told me brownie. And so I didn't brownie? know brownie. Like, brownie. like a brownie that you eat or brownie? Like, 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 hey, yeah, exactly, the brownie. So I, um, I said, okay, I'll tell her. And I'll, you know, and I'll tell her that it's, I'm going to tell her the word first. And then if she gets it, then I'll tell her the rest. But if she doesn't, I don't know who you are, good luck. So, so. I talked to her and I said, okay, you know, I went over, got her. I told her that I made her give me a word and I said, Brownie, she said, oh my God. <laughs> On Friday, this thing happened. I won't go into all of it, but this thing happened. And I'm talking to this woman about brownies. <laughs> and she probably told her sister because she told her sister that day. And so I could tell her the rest of it. And that's what I mean. That trust factor is so important. And um, I, yeah, I'll just, I'll just end there. So anyhow, the elementals of Davis, they all help because we don't know, or put it, I don't know um, when I'm reading who is going to help with what. And I always say they, and most real intuitives and psychics who are healing people and working with people, guiding people, I like it as guidance and interpreting for them because that's what I do. I'm basically interpreting. They'll tell me something and then I, I tell the person, and then the person I said, do does that make sense for you? Is that resonate? If not, my job, my only job is to keep interpreting. They're never wrong, ever. Getting the person to 
open up because they'll say, I, you know, I'll say you had this traumatic thing when you were a child and it happened and you were six and you were on a bike and blah, blah, blah. They go, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I keep, I keep going, keep going. And they go, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Because it's not front and center. And, and our guides know, and sometimes it's to pull it up because it's not great. And sometimes it's, it's to pull it up because it is great. So whatever. Well, our guides know everything that's going on with us. They, they help us plan our lives and all of that too. Yeah, um, and that, that, that essence you were talking about is our life. And when they tap into the essence and you're tapping into the essence, then ta-da, staying there is the hard part. <laughs> right. So I understand that the entities of the light would be masters, guides, guardian angels. Yeah. Um, and conscious ancestors would be our ancestors who are more evolved and can give us information and are aware of our path. Right. And, but could you just briefly, so what is a diva and what is an elemental? Okay, so the elementals are the elemental, and I, I've, I've heard and read different, different, different things, um, that they're real. Like unicorns were real, but people were freaking out about it. So they just, they back up so you don't see them anymore. So wait a minute, unicorns are real. We have to, Unicorn. that's something everyone's just learning now on Grief and Rebirth podcast. And it no, really exists no. on the other side. Gnomes and elves, and we interact with these energies all the time. We interact with beings, people that are on, on the planet. So I'm going to give you this is, okay, I'm going to give you this one. Okay. So I'm doing Harriet, and I love doing it. It's, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's two hours. It's solid. Um, people, at, and, and it's a call to action at the end, too. So people are cheering for themselves and others when they come out. And that's part of the psychic healing, the spiritual healing. I should say spirit, the spiritual healing that happens. And they're up and cheering. And I always love, I mean, at the end of the play, I'm happy because they're up and cheering and I'm bowing and it's all cool. I love that part. I do, I'm doing the show. And in this particular um, theater, uh, there was someone, her name is Virginia. And she would open the door for me after I took my bows and went off. And, and she'd go, you know, great job, blah, blah, blah. I took one bow. I have, it's, it's stage. I have three. It depends on what else they're doing. But I have three or more. I did one and got the heck off the stage. I couldn't get off that stage fast enough. I turned around. I was hysterical. I was crying. I must have looked crazy because Virginia said nothing. She opened the door and moved out of my way. Like, I don't know what that is, but I don't want to be a part of it. She got the heck away from me. In the green room, which is where you go adjacent to the dressing room, was a ballet bar. I literally hung over that bar. And it was like people, energy ancestors, whomever, was co were coming up off of me. I was crying. I was, I was weak. It was, and I knew I'd be okay, but this was very strange and very different. Never happened before, hasn't happened since. I am very grateful. But somehow I had taken on these energies of, of the people. Now, before I go on, I, I, I call him Harriet. I call him my ancestors. And anybody that could be of the light and of service in, in, in the park, because I'm doing service when I perform. And um, I don't know if I went too far or what, but they all came. It sounds to me like you opened happened. a portal. It sounds to me like you I might did. have opened a portal to the other side as these people who you were talking about in the story, these came through. They came through, but so did the ancestors of the people in the audience, because that's wow. what's coming off wow. of the and then, then later on, this woman named Dolores, who taught me how to go on the other side. I hadn't seen her in years. I've only seen her like three times maybe in life. And this was the third, the last time I saw her. 
And she's, I came back out after the audience was gone. I came out and she waited for me because we have to pack up and all that jazz. And she said, I want to talk to you. And she said, after the show, no, no, during the show, you, she said, I can't tell you how many people were on the stage with you. Moving, I'm talking about spirit people, not having a lifetime right now, people. And she said, I thought you were going to crash into each other. You never did. It was amazing. And then I told her what happened to me in the back because she didn't know she died. And so, again, a gift. That, that was spirit wisdom in knowing I could take it. I could help me release this energy beyond what I thought I was ordinarily doing when I do the show regularly. So it's being open. It's being a conduit, I'd say, and a vessel. Um, wow. Not for anything. I do light. I only do light work. I'm real clear. I do not go in any direction that I think um, is harmful to me or others. Never. <laughs> and I'm and I'm no. protecting that. I would imagine that that's a very good thing for people to know because if they're contemplating having a session with you, you're not going to let in anything that's funky or scary or no. negative for them. You're only going to bring them positive information that can help them. Exactly. Yeah. And Absolutely. it takes away a lot of fear, I think. Yeah. You know, what are your three guided altars that alter and how do they help people? Okay. So altars that alter came about because I was having a major freak out moment. <laughs> I was having a very bad day <laughs> and I was angry and I'm going, all right, really spirit. I work, I've done this. I've been doing this since I was 23 years old. I've been, you know, on, on the path, not necessarily reading. But, you know, I, and this, this is happening and, and I'm sure it had to do with some kind of financial setback because that's usually what would make me lose my mind <laughs> and I, it was gone. And so I heard, we want you to build an altar. I'm like, an altar? Really? I don't need an altar. What I need, you know, and I'm right. telling them what I need. And they're like, I need a yeah. deposit. I don't need an altar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, need a, I think maybe like a contract got canceled or was stuck or something like that. That's what I, you know, I'm beginning to remember a little bit. But it doesn't matter. They said make an altar. And so I made an altar and I said, all right. And I made one and they told me how to do it. So the first, I like it tiered. I do it. I have mine is on, on a, well, I have several, but I have one on a bookcase, the, the major one, the main one. And the first level is who are you, no matter what else is going on. If the rest of the planet falls off, if your family goes away, this, that, who are you? What do you care about? And that's all you put on that top tier. So if, if you're a teacher and you hate teaching, you wouldn't put students up there. You would put, if, if, let, let's say you're 65 and you want to be a ballerina, you put a ballerina figurine on there and say, by God, I want to be a ballerina. And the only thing you have to do is have a picture, a current picture of yourself. It can't be when you thought you were adorable at eight. It needs to be right now. So whether you think you're fabulous or not fabulous, you don't. Because the purpose of it is the only person that can make these things happen on this altar that I'll go through is you. So that's why that picture is there. And so um, you might have, like, I had yoga cards on there. I hate yoga. And I had yoga cards on there because I knew it was good for me. But I never did yoga. And it didn't belong there. It was what's good for you. <laughs> I, I should have said some sort of exercise that I like should have been up there. You know? <laughs> but that's okay. You learn. Sometimes I have picture of, 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 of my son because it's a priority at that time. You're putting your priorities. Um, sometimes I'll have, um, I, I, I have a, um, a figure. I have a, a husband, well, I call him husband wife, but I have a, 
couple, a, a stone couple, as it's a sculpture, and I love it. Sometimes that's up there because that's the priority. Sometimes things about writing are there. Sometimes it's um, cotton candy because I want to eat junk and play. I want to go out and play. So your top level is just you. The second tier is you in your current world. So that's where you work. That's your family. That's um, um, whatever is important to you right now. And so... It's more like your present moment. It's, it's, it's your present moment, but again, only what you want. You don't put... So if your family's there and you really hate your Uncle Ted. You don't put Uncle Ted there. You know, you put things that feed your soul, that feed your intention, that feed your, um, your present moment, as you said, fulfilling uh, desires. That's all that goes there. The bottom tier, and you can do these side by side, so there's a third and next to each other. I have a, a long windowsill, and I've got one there too, with a third, a third, a third going across. The bottom tier is how the world impacts you and how you impact the world. And so on mine, I, I love travel. And so I have actually a basket. It's a, 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 I have a part of a basket, actually. It's, a, it's from the, the, the South Carolina, from, from the Gullah Island, because they make these special baskets and they're beautiful. But baskets are everywhere in the world. They're every place. And so I put that there to say every place I go, I want to look at the baskets there, how they're made, what they use them for, the beauty of them, or the, the functionality, the, whatever. I have a, 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 um, a charm that I got in Kenya. And it's, it, it's a spiritual charm. And th that spirituality is everywhere. And so the other people's spirituality impacts me. I love learning different, different cultures and all of that. Um, I have, as I said, I, I actually have a pair of Halloween glasses <laughs> because I love Halloween and I, I love day of the dead and I love parties. I love fun. And so it's to remind me, I like world fun and, and, and seeing the world is fun. So you build this altar with these, again, just you, no matter what anybody else says or thinks. The second tier is you in your world and how you want to function. This is always how you want to function. And the bottom one is how the world impacts you and how you want to impact the world. So my scripts are down there sometimes. I'll put a script down there. Um, and if, if you must suffer, which most of us kind of need a moment, then you get a bag or a box. Um, I, I have a little, a little box and you can write things like if you, um, like, I want to stop being jealous. I want to stop. I want, I want to lose weight. Things that are changing but not necessarily supportive of who you are right now and they give you a a pang i'll put it that way they cause you some sort of angst you put that in the box you don't put that out and once a week if you must tell me it's sort of like the vision board but it's a private vision board and it's going yeah, it's in that box yeah. but it's interactive too so you once a week you take out one of these you can sit with it when you get it healed you, you can just burn it get rid of it tear it away right. Whatever, but you don't focus on what you don't want. You focus on what you do want, and it's interactive. That's the big thing. It's not an an altar where you walk by, you you genuflect. You always are changing, and you add, you subtract, um, whatever. Anyhow, they knew what they were talking about, and the altars that altar are great. And I've I've done them. I've done them for individuals. Some people. I have one woman 
did hers in her bathroom. <laughs> um, I have somebody has in the fireplace. There are people who, who will get some shelves and just, just do them there. It doesn't have to be obvious. You don't have to explain it to anyone. Some are neat and tidy and some are chaotic and crazy because if that's who you are, that's what you should do. Um, but it does help you to focus. It's one of those, it's, it's a tool for focusing and for reminding. And also, especially reminding with that picture, you are the only person who can do this. It helps with um, not depending on other people. And yeah, we are interactive, we're interdependent, but not hardcore dependent. It's like, if I want to be a ballerina, I'm not going to probably find 5 million people who think that's a great idea at 65. So go and um, uh, start the ballerina, find out who else wants to be a ballerina or get your tail around your living room, whatever makes, makes you happy, but it's for you. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's fascinating. So, and you guys, so when if a person comes to you for a session, you can actually guide them as, about making their altar. Oh, yeah, I, I, I help them build it. I, 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 I can go to them or we can do it by Zoom. I help them build it. I also do a reading with it. I pull a card when that's I'm- That's cool. When so I'm they help them on their spiritual path. So they have not only physical yeah. reminder, but also the um, energetic reminders that you give them. Exactly, because it is a spiritual reminder. Remember, it came to me when my mom was like trying to tell them what I wanted. They were like, knock yourself out. Here's what you're going to do. But I listen. That's the big thing. We have to listen. That's what I want everyone to get, that we're constantly being guided. It's the listening. And, and sometimes we, we, we can't hear it or we think we hear it or we don't want to or we think we're not ready. We have a whole printout of why not. Just allow just allow and that's why the ritual ceremony things that can help support the process and reinforce the guidance is so important that's so important so another question for you even though we are all always having deaths and rebirths and of course this is grief and rebirth podcast so this is very much in line with our <laughs> mission even though we are all always having deaths and rebirths Many of us often sit in death and stay close to the rebirth that leads to change. You claim that this is against the natural order of life. Please explain this profound concept to our Grief and Rebirth podcast healers. And as I said, it's, a, it's very close to the heart of the mission of Grief and Rebirth. So go for it. All right, so a couple of things. Oh, I didn't finish with the angel in my mother's book, too. In my mother's okay, book. go for it. The one that was up high, who um, was Gabriel, that's what he said, um, left. He said, I'm going to leave. I have other places to go. So you know, you know how they say you always have your angel with you? Apparently not, because <laughs> he left. <laughs> but he said, you know, this one's down at the bottom. You're good. But he came to give me the message, and I took it. I mean, when, when um, his name is Brother Francis said, you will see an orange light and a blue light. I'm thinking light. I wasn't thinking angel, but they came in as angels. So you had to go with the flow. So here's something with the death and rebirth and the attachment. My father passed in 2004. I had his ashes and I was, I, I mean, I grieved. They're still getting, I grieved. It was bad. And about maybe a year and a half later, he said very clearly, for God's sakes, take my ashes outside. You're driving me crazy. That's what he said. <laughs> and I had his ashes in the house and I, I have a big planter and I, I, I put them in there 
And I put, I, I got a, uh, I think it's called a fairy duster. It's a, it, it's unique to New Mexico. It's a, uh, it's a hardy desert plant that can live. A pink fairy duster is what's going on. I put that on top of it and I buried him. I never cried again, never. It's interesting because he, I was aggravating him. He's been driving me crazy. Is what he said. <laughs> because I over here and she's him. still hunting me over there and I'm not over there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get past feeling, I, I had levels of guilt, you know, he had Alzheimer's and I didn't know how to help him and I, I, I could, I did the best I could, but you know, most of us grieve, we will find a reason why the death is your fault, <laughs> you know, it, it happens, with them, or at least some sort of why we, um, why we need to suffer, I'll put it that way. And honestly, once I took his ashes outside, I never cried again. And it was so clear. It was so funny. But death and rebirth, so we have lots of deaths and rebirth. We have, we have breakups. We have job changes. I told you the altar came out of what I think is now a contract gone bad. And, and I was very upset about it. But I was attached to that contract's gone bad. I didn't say, you live in a world with how many billion people? How many more contracts are there? I didn't just skip to the next contract. I suffered through that process. That's and rebirth from a spiritual standpoint is like, don't do that, do this. Next, we and that's not to say you ignore your emotional and your mental. In fact, the other day, this is so funny. When I was growing up, we had a workbook called Think and Do Books. That was the name of the book. They were workbooks, and, and, and we have to read a paragraph or something and then answer those questions and whatnot. And it popped into my head. This is elementary school, it popped into my head. It said, think and do, Karen, not think and think and think and think and think. <laughs> think and do. Would you do it? <laughs> so it's like that, the moving on. And that's not to say there isn't, there isn't grief, there, but the stoppage, you know? Um, I do this uh, workshop, and, and now I'm going to add to it, expand it, called Drama as a Healing Art. And I know that the dramas in our lives are supposed to inform us, not stop us. They usually stop us. And they can stop you for a minute, but they shouldn't stop you in your tracks so you, so you can't get back up. And we all are made of different things. Some people bounce back more easily than others, and that has to do with the composition. And blah, blah, blah. So i got to stop you right here, because okay. so many people we know are so immersed in the dramas in their lives. Mm -hmm. Everything is such a big deal and they stuck they stuck there's no one listening that doesn't know someone who kind of even enjoys the drama in their lives and these people are missing the message or missing the idea that they're supposed to learn from that drama and yeah. and and grow from it absolutely and i'm going to give you an interesting example so i grew up in new york as you know and i i used to go to theater my parents would take me even, even when i was very young Puppet, the marionette puppets and all, all, all that kind of stuff, because New York offers all of that. I was a stutterer. I still am. I just stuttered. I just heard it. And um, I was in third grade because, no, fourth grade. Mrs. Dicker wasn't her name. Mildred Dicker was like the most amazing teacher. I loved her. Anyhow, I stuttered. I didn't like stutter a little bit. I seriously stuttered. It was a nightmare. You and stuttered? A soul. It was horrible. Really? I mean, you know, we'd have to... Um, we and now have you're an actress and everything. That's amazing. And, and, and the amazing, I'm about to tell you why, how, ama how amazing happened. So, you know, I, we have to read in rows and you get a paragraph, but it was my turn. The kids were like, oh my God, let's kill us all now. I don't want to hear this. 
she made, she said, we, we all had to do plays. We, you know, I went to a school where every class did a play. She said, you're going to be the announcer. You're going to be the first person they see. And I'm like, no, 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 no. not going to happen. I asked my father, my father wrote a letter, you know, begging basically. And she said, I don't care who writes a letter, you're doing it. And so I studied and I practiced and I studied and my parents brought me this white, beautiful dress. It had lavender flowers and a sash and my hair was done. And I was terrified. I was going to get up in front of masses of people as far as I was concerned and announce the play. And I was terrified that I would stutter and they would laugh at me. And because they, you know, they've done it pretty regularly. And I got up and I still remember the beginning. Good morning, Mr. Richstone, Mrs. Moyle, teachers, parents, and friends. That's how it started. I don't remember the rest of it, but I remember that much. And after they clapped, and man, was my life launched. <laughs> I, I didn't have a direct route to theater arts, but I had a direct route to not caring if I ever stuttered again. And I learned that's a drama. I'm, I'm telling you that because I mean, it's drama across the board, like literally drama. Right. But also the drama of being forced to face my biggest fear, which was being laughed at, uh, embarrassing myself in front of the entire school. And I came out on the other side. And so we have to, and I, I help people come out on the other side. And the drama of the healing as a, a healing art is always fun because it's got theater components to it. And so there's visual art and, and, and performance. The other thing you get to do is write. And we can always take our personality, so-called defects or dramas, and give them to Cindy, Cindy Sullivan and make her a character who then takes care of the problem and we can get it by default. All writers know, all, all writers know that when you write something creative, you're healing some aspect of yourself. Something in you is going forward. My first play in New York, my uncle came up to me after and said, it's not nice to write about your aunt. And I had no idea that, that there were aspects of my aunt in the lead character. I would have never, I didn't see it. But yeah, I, I see it now as soon as he said that. <laughs> and, and he loved it because, you know, and it wasn't obvious. It was obvious to him, but it wasn't It was obvious, obvious to him to because he knew. He knew. Yeah. He knew her. And it wasn't and, obvious, it wasn't obvious. And she was not in, in my mind, the subconscious, the subconscious in us and the unconscious can give us lots of healing effects if we allow it. We have to allow it. Have to Allowing allow it. is the big word. Wow. Um, yeah. So you've got a workshop called Drama as a Healing Art. Do you have other yeah. workshops like that and that with other titles? And you also have various levels of healing and you're going to be releasing a book soon. So you want to give us a little bit of information about all these great things? Okay, all right. So I have- And where are your workshops held? Are they online or do people- I'm actually developing one online right now and intend to launch it in May. So yes, I will have that. Um, I have, so the workshops that I do are Marry Yourself First, which I love, and that came out of drama. <laughs> I was engaged. I love that called "Marry Yourself First. That's first. fantastic. It, do, it doesn't mean only. It does. It, do, it doesn't mean kick your husband to the curb or or your wife to the curb, but it means marry yourself first. And in that process, you learn a lot about yourself because most of what we want from somebody else, we really need to have ourselves and own ourselves. And if it's not there, fix it yourself. And you can do it simultaneously while in relationship. But again, that was born out of drama. I have major drama around that one. 
and I have a nice wedding ring. I literally married myself, did ceremony, and I helped people. Oh do my it. gosh! Yeah, yeah, it was great, and it had all the spontaneous, the spontaneous things attached to it. It was cool. Um, then I do something called a treasure hunt. And wait, wait, I want to know in the workshops, do some of the people who want to marry themselves can they do that with all of oh, you and have totally. a ceremony? Totally, absolutely. And you can do a ceremony when you're by yourself, or you can do a ceremony where you invite people to the wedding. I mean, I actually went to this is really interesting. I had this ring, I had this design, and I went to I had a rehearsal dinner. I went to dinner the night before and I sat across. It was so weird. Well, no, so so divine, not weird. Um, I was at this bar not a liquor bar, a dinner bar. And the couple, a couple came and sat next to me who could not have been more in love with each other. It wasn't possible. And I'm sitting there absorbing this while I'm getting ready to marry myself with, you know, with a, a, a heterosexual couple across. And I'm going, cool. And I heard, and I, and I went to get, a, I was supposed to get a massage after. And no, I got the massage first. I got the massage first. During the massage, they said, we want you to get a second wedding band. I'm like, no, I don't think so. And they're like, yeah, you do. So there, I went, after I had the dinner, I, I wasn't going to do it because I was like, you know, I really don't need a second. I went to this little jewelry store called Ua and got a, a simple gold wedding band. And I wear that on the other hand sometimes. And this ring is, it's, it's got some diamonds and gold and, and an imperial topaz and stuff. The other one is, if I lost it swimming, I wouldn't kill myself. This one, I would, you know, so... <laughs> So they knew what they were talking about, and I did it. And then so I had a ring for each hand, or I could take the foot off, or whatever. So, yeah, and, and, and then the ceremony was, I thought I had a ceremony, including jumping the broom, which is an African-American thing to do, except I didn't have a broom. I realized after, I jumped the mop. I had a brand new mop, and I jumped the mop. <laughs> I decorated. Um, I, I, I had a, a wedding bed. I mean, I did everything. I had flowers. I have pictures. I'll, I'll share them. I would imagine that this ceremony of marrying yourself is also about learning self-love. Oh, absolutely. And also, I read, there's a book, I can't, I, um, I can't think of the name of it right this second, but it's a book, and it talked about when wedding bands were first in, um, in the world, it was for marrying yourself. Your spirit married your personality, who you are. So that's what the wedding band was for initially. It grew it's actually into accepting yourself also. Accepting yourself as you are. And so I take myself on dates. You know, it was like, I want to marry somebody who wants to take me out. How about you take you out? You know how to do that. Right. <laughs> being, you know, being kind to yourself, saying nice things to yourself. Here's a real quick thing that people can do if they're not nice to themselves. I learned this from um, Science of Mind. You, um, you get a rubber band, and, and sometimes they say a bracelet if you don't want to hurt yourself. And every time you say something not kind, like, I can't believe you did that, or you're so stupid, or blah, 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 you pop it. You, you just give a little pop. You don't have to, but you pop that enough, you will remember to be kind to yourself. It's just a little tiny exercise that works. Um, and, and celebrating the small things. So another workshop I do is a treasure hunt, and people are welcome to do this. I love doing it with people and in groups. Families are really, really cool to work with. Um, um, so it's a treasure hunt. You, I have a list, and I can send it to you, or you can see it on, on, on my, um, my website. Um, I make a list. So I have maybe 50 things there. You pick 10, and then you get a bag or a container if you're doing it in the group, so you can take it there, or you can do it right in front of you, assemble it, that represent 
10 of these things. So I'm going to use the one that I use the most because I did it with this woman that was a group. And she came in and she had a mixer. She had a big blender. She had all the stuff in the blender. And she chose, one of her words was mind. She said, this is my mind. It's all in there, but it's all jumbled up. And I thought that is so cool. Another person had a computer printout of, no, she had a picture of, um, what's it called? A, um, a family reunion. So her whole family was there, but she superimposed her, it was called your ideal family because that's one of the things, your ideal family, your chosen family. So she had your ideal family. She superimposed her face on everybody else's picture. She said, that's my ideal family. They're all me. They do what I want them to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who would like that. <laughs> I mean, all of this is fun, but it gets to the core. Yeah. Um, the other one I think is really important that I do is what am I tolerating? Because all of us are tolerating some things. And I really love doing this one. You can do it alone or you can do it with me or others. Um, and you, and it's, it's got levels. So, so I'll just start with what I can remember. I'll top of my head. Um, what am I tolerating? People, places, and things. So if you're tolerating your closet being packed with all kinds of junk that, um, and, and you're embarrassed, you know you're tolerating it if, if you have an emo emotional reaction to it. Some people don't care if junk is stuff in their closet. It's fine. Then you're not tolerating that. It's really what are you tolerating? People, places, and things. And, and, um, uh, you're tolerating a job that you hate. And, and, and what you do is you keep, the, the inquiry keeps you to why, because I want more, because I need the money. Why? Because I want to live inside. Why is this your only option? You keep going until you're either not tolerating it or you come to a solution of how to not tolerate that, but move into something that does support you, that does feed you. So those are a few. They sound um, really, really helpful. They sound really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and they're fun. <laughs> they're fun. And what are the various levels of readings that you do, Karen? I do, okay, so I'm doing, um, particularly during this time, I've added some things because so many people I can need and want help, and I want to make sure that people are able to do that. So I have one, the first here is a reading that I do where you ask one question. One, I've, I've called it, what is your one biggest, what's your biggest drama? It's the one drama. And I do those first, and then I can do a reading that's one hour long, and then I can do a reading. I don't know if you want prices or you don't want prices, so it's up to you. No, and, I think you can go on your site. Okay, and then the last one is an hour and a half, well, it's roughly an hour and a half, but if you go longer, fine, and that's another price. So those are the tiers for the readings, and... Um, and then I have, I have an annual where if, I, usually that's somebody who's been reading, I have people who've been reading for 15 years. Um, and so they may pay an annual amount, which is much less than if they had to, to pay all the time. I have something that I call the anchoring, where I'm helping you to anchor your spiritual consciousness. So basically you won't need me. Uh, you, can, you might want to come in sometimes, but you can hear more. I, I help people to get to that connection and stay there. Um, and that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So those are those are some of what I do. Yeah. Okay. So now the other thing I'm thinking about is you do a workshop called Drama as a Healing Art. Now you've made it into a book. Yes. Coming out with the book. I'm going to come out with the book. I started it a while ago. It's interesting because I'm an extroverted introvert for sure. I love this. Now you know, thinking about it, of course, I I did I did I did all the the prep, but I said it's a reading. See it like a reading. You're good. I know I can do a reading. I know I can perform on stage. Um, 
And so I did this. There are basically 70 or more exercises. Some have multiple activities attached to them. And it, it can be for an individual. It can be for a family. It can be for a spiritual center. It can be for a community. It, anybody can do it. Also, I teach how to produce, if you want, a play out of it or some sort of a dinner theater um, activity. Um, people who don't sing can sing, you know. It's, it's gonna be fun. I have to have fun. I used to have a sign over my desk in front of me, actually in front of my window where my desk was, that said, why do I do this? Great parties, because I'm a party animal. <laughs> so if I can find a way to have a party, I'm going to. I really want eventually to have this so that we come together in retreats also as a part of this. But for right now, I'm gonna do an online and a book and people can pick a, and you can jump around. It's not going to be, you have to do in this particular order. You can find what resonates for you and do it. When, when the book comes out, let us know and we'll let all of our listeners know about it. Thank you. Be sure to let, to let me from rebirth podcast. know. we'll be glad to, I'm sure people will be curious about it. Hearing what they can get from um, the workshop. They're going to be very interested in what they can get from the book also. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So now tell us your touching story about a woman and a French horn. <laughs> okay. So I started reading. I started reading when, in 1985, 1985, 86, yeah, 80, it was anyhow, then. <laughs> and I, um, I had a trust, of course, this, any other. So I was well into reading when, but I was still, I'm not, not skeptical, but if something came that sounded weird, I didn't want to say it, you know? And I, so I'm reading for this woman who is, I think, easily 80. And they tell me to tell her, play the French horn. And I, in my head, I'm like, I'm not telling her to play the French horn. I say, tell her to play the French horn. I'm, like, I'm not telling her to play the French horn, right? So I'm having this dialogue. And finally, go, they want her to play the French horn. She jumped up, ran to her closet, and got her French horn and took it out. From then on, whatever they tell me, I know it's right. We're a believer. Is to get the interpretation until the person gets it and I get it. But I, I, I can't say that I never go, are you sure? But, but I deliver it and it's never wrong. And that is not me, it's them. The other day, somebody says, they keep saying they, who's they? And I'm like, I don't actually know who they are. <laughs> I just know that they show up when I, when I, when I need them. And when the person needs them, they work. So, <laughs> well, that's quite a validation for her. It was a validation for you. It, you oh, know, God. you know, oh, <laughs> right? So now that everyone's heard all about you and are interested in getting a session and seeing your play and everything, how do they connect with you, Karen? Give us all your particulars. Okay. Spell right, it out, so girl. My name is Karen Jones Meadows, and that's my website, K-A-R-E-N-J-O-N-E-S-M-E-A-D-O-W-S.com. And if you go there, um, there's a link to the psychic reading page. I have other pages, but there's a link to that. Um, my, my email is KJM, as in Karen Jones Meadows, KJM on purpose at CS, as in Charles Sam.com, KJM on purpose at CS.com. And my phone number, and I'm not shy about my phone number. I'm going to give it out. 505-867-0857. I actually like to talk to people, um, first-time people, a few moments before I, I uh, well, 
a few minutes prior to our session. I don't, not to get a lot of information, I just want to talk to them so that, number one, I want to make sure they're a person. <laughs> um, and I get birth information um, and then read. I don't, I don't need a lot of information because I'm not, I am not a, um, what's it, a, a, what are they called? a fortune teller. I'm not a fortune teller. That's not what I do. I connect you with your guides so you get the most important information you need to know right now. When I read, I start with what your spirit wants you to know first, and then we go to questions. I don't have to do that, but basically, it, it, that's always how it's done because people want that. What we think is important and what your spirit thinks is important isn't necessarily the same thing off the top. It's not that you're not important, but you need to know those things. Um, I also record it and send it to you so that you have it. It's hard to hear and retain um, while in process. And sometimes I'll say, I'll get back to that and I won't because I kind of lift up out of my body when I read, I'm not fully grounded. And so I have you take notes so you can say, remember when I said to get back to it? I don't know what that is to do it. So we do that. I'm trying to think if there's anything. And you can always ask questions. It's not a one-sided conversation. We, we can talk. Which is great because I found that too. I was able to ask you questions in the middle of the session if something popped up and I wanted to know and yeah. you were wonderful about that. You send a CD or a download? I, I actually, I send, I send a download. I, I do a Dropbox. And then you were the only one who has that link to that particular reading. And you can download it and listen to it forever. A million times. Yeah, yeah. So now, my big, another big question is, Karen, what is your tip for finding joy in life? From all your experiences and all your gifts and all of your abilities, what really does it for Karen in the world of joy? Feeling loved and sharing love. And, and, I, and I mean it in a euphoric kind of way. I mean it in, it's a flourishing. It's a sense of growth and beauty and harmony. And I'm from the Bronx, so I was not a nature girl <laughs> until I moved out here and I live in the middle of nature. But whatever that is. So flourishing for you is not nature, <laughs> then that's not joy. But I love the beach. Um, I love romance. I'm an incurable romantic. I try to get cured. I've tried a lot of times, but I'm not. I'm not going to be. <laughs> I love it. I love you. Well, it's part of love, you know. <laughs> it is. And, you know, when you feel loved, you feel secure, and you can do things you didn't think you could do because there's extra energy. And that's how I know the universe is made of love, and we, and we, we want that. People seek that, not always in the best way because we don't have the know-how necessarily. But in the bottom line, people just want to express and feel love. And I think mm -hmm. that that's the joy. That's joy. That is joy. Karen, thank you so much from my heart for this really enlightening interview. I'm sure many of our Grief and Rebirth podcast listeners are now looking forward to seeing you and your play, Harriet's Return, when it comes to their town, including me, reading <laughs> your upcoming book, Drama as a Healing Art, and having a reading filled with wise guidance. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the full show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on irieweinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again for joining us. And as I like to say, to be continued, Many blessings and bye for now.